I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's going on, Rush Nation? Welcome to the second show of the week. Me and the big man back in your ear holes. Murph, how you doing, buddy? Really good. Uh, really looking forward to this. It's a uh, guest I've followed and uh, enjoyed for a while uh, with content, and I think this is a real treat for our fans. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Right, without further ado... Let's address today's guest. Uh, I said address, not undress. That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's expandtheboxscore.com supremo, fancy football and baseball expert, podcast host. He's pretty much everywhere. It's Andy Singleton. Andy, welcome to Five Yard Rush, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, guys. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate it. I was just saying before we went on, on air, you guys got to set the bar higher if you guys are excited to have me on. But I appreciate it nonetheless and uh, looking forward to talking a whole bunch of stuff with you guys today. Well, I, I, I think you're selling yourself a bit short there because uh, we'll get into some of the work you've done, but I think the uh, the, the draft video and profiles you put out um, sort of pre, pre-draft, pre they really helped with my thinking on and getting um, getting cleared up with some of the prospects in the draft and uh, the podcast you did, the little daily drops. I'm almost missing those. I wish you'd uh, do some more on some players. So I Hey, listen, that's, that's the goal. So I appreciate that. That's the kind of feedback it's getting. So the, the words are very much appreciated and kind of you to say. Well, the pleasure's the last for you, for you being here. So why don't you, why don't you kick us off and, and tell us sort of how you got into how you got into football and then talking about fantasy sports for a living yeah so it's really kind of weird I guess in in a sense I mean I've been just infatuated with sports my entire life I can't remember a moment of my life not you know being involved in sports and I was on my own a lot growing up Uh, I was I have uh, siblings but not from the same parents so I was somewhat of an only child and spent a lot of time with my grandmother and I was always watching Yankee games and everything like that and uh, 86, I was 11. So, you know, the Mets took the world by storm and being in New York City, especially. Uh, so I, you know, I've always just had an infatuation for sports. I, I was making up my own fantasy games as early as I can remember being like eight years old and just taking baseball cards and, you know, just putting up fantasy kind of rosters and lineups and making up games with dice and kind of things on my own and just to, you know, keep busy and occupied and entertained. Uh, I went on to play college basketball at the division one level. Uh, I've 
always been a baseball first kind of to play guy. Football is obviously something that everybody enjoys talking about and watching. So, you know, never really had preference for any particular sport i'm just oh you know we were talking about soccer before this you know i've i've uh you know world-class boxing friends so I, i'm just anything that involves athletics <laughs> i'm pretty much i'm there for it so uh my main career uh, for the last 18 years i've been a firefighter in brooklyn new york and i as a side job i, n- I never got a trade my my maternal side of the family uh was part of the founding members of the electrical union and uh you know my all my uncles are contractors and things like that but i never had a trade my parents always focused on school so i went and get this bachelor's degree and really had no use for it because then i became a firefighter and most of the guys their side jobs are you know doing plumbing or electrical work or anything like that and i was just you know i'm, I'm good help but uh, i've always been kind of more of a people person so i started promoting nightclubs in the city as a side career and uh just you know started getting older and kind of grew tired of that and was looking for something to occupy my time. I uh, was always told I was a good writer, so I, I wanted to get a deeper dive into the dynasty world and took over a team and doing the research. Just was introduced to all these sites I never knew existed. All you know, basically, you got to consider also in the last you know six seven years I've been doing this, it's it's increased tenfold from what it was. But there were still so many like blogs and just analysts and, and you know podcasts such as as the ones I do and the one you know I'm I'm guesting on with you guys right now. Um, so I, I started seeing all these different outlets and submitted to become a writer and started just doing like kind of baseball stories, like editorial stuff. And this started about January and come August for my own leagues, I did quarterback rankings for fantasy football and I published those. And the best article I'd written to that point was about Aaron Hernandez, uh, just when he was going through the whole, you know, his whole ordeal when it was breaking. And I thought just like a really good, like editorial kind of piece. And it had a couple hundred views and I was like, all right, you know, cool, great. And then I put out quarterback rankings for fantasy football, having, you know, no name in in the game at that time. And, and immediately it got like thousands of, of views and like 10 times anything I'd done to that point. So it was kind of a no brainer. Like this is the direction to go in. So that's kind of how it all got started. And now, you know, fast forward, like six, seven years later, like I said, I don't even remember uh, what year it was now, but um, fast forward, you know, I'm doing rankings for fantasy pros. I'm, you know, coming in, you know, pretty decent places uh, in, in these things and, you know, uh, just expanding the reach if you, if, you know, if you will. So it's, it's been a nice journey. I've done everything from writing to podcasting, to the video work, to putting writing teams together to now launching expand the box score. So I, I pretty much had a taste of everything uh, in this business so far. So I, I, I don't know where the future goes, but so far the past has been pretty good. It's pretty exciting. You know, being a firefighter is a uh, pretty decent job in itself. And then to tack fantasy football or fantasy sports onto that as well. It's pretty dreamy. I'm not short for love of my, passions and careers no no doubt definitely not so being in new york are you a new york sports fan absolutely uh as i mentioned you know i'm a big yankee fan so i I used to go to the games because that's what we had tickets for and my dad had season tickets and i would go to as many as 50 games a year uh but i've always been partial to the mets so i i don't you know if they're playing each other i'm a yankee fan but you know we went to the subway series last week the firehouse we had about 25 guys go and i have my yankee jersey over a jacob Degrom t-shirt so that just kind of goes to you know who i am but uh the giants were winning super bowls when i was in my formidable years but i became a jet fan after the 115 season just thinking you know we can only go up from here and that was probably one of the worst decisions i've made in my life so far so uh as far as being a new york sports fan absolutely Knicks, rangers uh, Yankees, Jets, uh, but I'm partial to all the New York sports teams. Nice. Well, I'm actually going to be seeing your Yankees in just over a week because they're coming here. Awesome. Uh, two two game series against the Sox. So they've torn up the pitch at the. No, they slid underneath. I thought they took it off. No, the, no, the pitches no. I've seen, they've no, they've taken that... all the grass off. No, they've put a cover over it. Oh really? Yeah, they've put a cover over it, and then they've put soil and then grass on top of that. Oh, okay, that's because I was saying if they look like the whole place yeah. up. And then get this: now the weird thing is they're then ripping it up after the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, whatever. So that'd be interesting because it's been played at um, Olympic. our Olympic Stadium, which has turned into 
uh, a sports ground for West Ham United, a Premier League team here. Okay. Uh, the season's ended, so it's a good time to host it. You know, it's crazy to me. You mentioned what they were doing for the surface on the field. How much do you think that costs? And not to, you know, get on a political sidebar here, but we, we talk about all the needs of different things in this country, and then you, or not, not just this country, this world, but, and, and then you see just how, how much money is in sports where, you know, for a two game series, they can completely transform a field and then just after, just, ah, we're done, we'll rip it up. Well, the thing is that most Premier League teams tear their field up every year anyway. So they mm-hmm. spend hundreds and thousands on specific grass, actual turf with synthetic fibres woven into it. And then they spend hundreds of thousands on the undersoil sub and everything like that. And then they'll just tear it up. But the stadium, so it's, it's a bit controversial. So basically the team that plays there, West Ham, they only pay very nominal rent every single year. They pay about $2 million. Um, and that includes all the upkeep, which I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you think like a stadium with all the staff and everything, uh, they pay two million a year to basically play all their games there and they get all the gate receipts. So the council have to generate income and that's probably why they're hosting an event like this and they do athletics. They're going to host athletics, I think, about four weeks afterwards at the stadium. So it's mad. It's, it's just insane, the machine that sports is. Yeah, no, it really is. So talk to us then about, I mean, you, you've, I think you've kind of mentioned this, but in terms of riding and podcasting, would you say you're, you're, you're more in the baseball camp but really do enjoy the football or is it the other way around? No, I think baseball for me comes first, but football is so much more engaging and just so much more intense and so much, so many more people are willing to talk football before baseball. But as far as like, you know, analysis and feel for it and everything like that, I feel like I... I much more in tune with baseball and I just think it's because you're in much more control of your own fate I think there's just so much luck involved in football that you know people will talk about it but nobody really wants to admit it uh but there's just so much that you're not in control of in a football game where as baseball like hey if I like a pitcher he's he's on his own you know his team might not score runs for him but he can still give you a great performance and you know he's going to be going as many innings as you know, the quality of, of what he's got that day. Whereas football, you could have the best running back in the league, but if the team goes down 21 nothing, like he's maybe not going to get those same touches that he would if they were up 21 nothing. So it's just there's so much more uh, out of your hands in football uh, that I feel like baseball is just uh, uh, truer to, you know, what you feel in your analysis. Do you think there's a bit more skill involved in baseball fantasy as opposed to football fantasy as well? Because obviously the rosters are slightly different in construction and there's a lot more players to consider and daily games as opposed to three days a week for football. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if you're in tune with it and you are you know, paying attention to who's who, I, I think, like I was saying, you just you have a better idea of, of what you're getting. I, I, I think you can make better uh, assumptions uh, based on you know what you've seen the the minor league system in particular in baseball is just you know you don't have that in football so you know some of these younger guys you you can get a better feel for you know what they've done throughout their careers in the minor leagues before they even get to the major leagues whereas football you don't really have that so uh, it, it's it's definitely for me it's it's a totally different kind of landscape uh, I mean I enjoy them both equally but I, I would say baseball for me it, it just feels more like if I had to pick one as far as like you know investing my money and just picking one to play as a as a professional kind of uh I would say baseball I think you can get better returns on it that's fair enough if you enjoy it more play it more that's what we try to advocate I I actually play way more football because again it's like you know there's like 10 times the people talking football and playing football and, and just the sheer number of options that are available in fantasy football now with you know uh, you know, gauntlet leagues and, or, you know, elimination type leagues and best ball and IDP. And uh, it's just, there's it, just the range is, is so much larger in football right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think it's got that international draw, which baseball hasn't kind of got. And I think that's, that's why they've got the London games here. We've already got a, a series announced for next year. And I think if we were having this conversation five years from now, I think you'll find there'd be a lot more appetite for it. I mean, Stocks and I do play fantasy baseball. I wouldn't say we're huge on it. I mean, I, I really like the game. I spend a bit of time in America and I love it, but it, it's not for me the same. I don't get the same passion out of it as I do out of football, but um, I still really enjoy it. And 
but I think, you know, in five years' time, I think there'll be a whole new market of of people here with games here regularly. I think we'll get a few series a year maybe. And, and you know, you, you, you might find you might have a huge market of people wanting to talk to you over here about baseball. It, absolutely. And it is definitely global. And you think about like when, when we think about that gladiator mentality, you know, go back to the Roman Empire and, and that's what people are drawn to. And that, that's what football brings you. There's just this high level of excitement on a weekly basis. And the way football is, is geared, it's, is built perfectly for a fantasy game where you got one contest per week, whereas baseball, you know, it, it's a daily thing. And is my, is my team playing Tuesday? Are they off today? Is it a day game? Is it a night game football? You know, we we're, we're gearing up all week. So I, I think that, you know, crescendos each week and, and you get that anticipation and that buildup uh, that you just don't get in other sports. Yeah, absolutely. I used to love waking up every morning and checking my baseball fantasy lineup, see how they did the night before, because some of the late games here are when I'm sleeping. So I used to love waking up at five in the morning and, and eating my breakfast, checking my lineup, see if I'd won But that. But it's a lot more maintenance. Yeah, it is. I, I think for me with, with baseball is I get really into it in the beginning, then you get the middle third, which I'm still into it and I still check it and – I'm a good owner and everything, but I kind of, I get that little bit of fatigue and football season's kicking off and draft season's there. So I kind of know that these games in the middle third don't ultimately matter as long as I'm touching base. And then I kick off towards the end of the season, the playoffs. I just feel like um, it can really, especially if you're playing head to head in in recessory, you've got to be on it all the time, but in head to head leagues, I feel like you lose a game. It doesn't matter as much. Whereas in football, I I really take it more personally if I lose. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. By August, all all of the questions I get are football geared. And, you know, when I start up doing baseball analysis in the preseason, there's so many people that, that forgot, like, oh, this guy came up in September and he did this because people, like you said, they just tune it out by the end of the season. Yeah, but yeah absolutely. So staying with, with fantasy then in terms of uh, 2018, how did your uh, 2018 season go? Up and down. I mean, so spread out with so many different leagues. I, I think my best uh, came from the fishbowl, the Scott Fishbowl, where it's 900 teams. Then I finished fourth overall. It was one player substitution away from taking the whole thing down. So uh, that was, you know, pretty exciting. I had a few playoff appearances in other places, uh, you know, out of the running and some others. Uh, I had a gauntlet league, you know, the elimination style ones that are taken over where, you know, the low score each week gets eliminated and you just keep going down the line with that. I had a celebrity one named after me and I was out in like the second week. So uh, <laughs> that's just the low end of things. Uh, but yeah, all, all over the place. I, I think I'm probably the most proud of was the fantasy pros ranking, which I, I think it was finished 23rd overall out of like over a hundred you know, uh, participants. So that, that was pretty uh, satisfying. And, you know, I'd like to have been in the top 10 and I was in the top 10 for the first half of the season. and just kind of you know dwindled away at the end. But uh, I, I think that was probably, you know, where I would say I would, uh, I would rest my hat for the 2018 season. That's, I mean, that's incredible to be that high in the fantasy pro rankings and uh, to be fourth in the Scott Fishbowl. We're, we're very excited to, be part of it this year we have been part of it before so it's our first year they expanded it out to 1500 teams so we're we're delighted and see if we can bring some hardware over to the uk because we don't win much <laughs> we, we we pretty much aren't good at any sport unless it's involving uh, a seat so rowing <laughs> cycling it's not technically true we are terrible at uh, toboggan <laughs> Yeah, okay, but we don't have snow, really. So that Europe's well, snow. no, hang on, the skeleton. Yeah, that's not a seat. All right, it's a sleigh, but it's a train. All right, we're laying down. <laughs> Anything that involves sitting down or laying down, we're good at. Anything that involves any kind of motion, perpetual by legs, we're not very good at. So that's a. Uh, so we're hoping that we can try and restore some country pride and uh, bring <laughs> the Scott Fishbowl over here. I don't know how that's going to improve our sports ranking somehow but we'll give it a go so how many leagues did you actually play in 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 all in all last year do you remember yeah i really honestly do not with all the various formats but i'd say give or take it was about a dozen i definitely remember making a concerted effort to try to cut down on the number of leagues i was in last year and i get asked on a daily basis you know hey do you want to join this one do you want to join this one and it's just you got to say no at some point because it's just it's not so much can i do the draft it's am i going to be inactive and 
participatory owner and I don't want to be a bad owner is what it comes down to. So I've realized that the more leagues you have and, and the more difficult it is to manage those rosters and it kind of wanes on your interest. So uh, I want to be an engaged owner. So I wanted to have less. So I, I'm trying to limit my cap to around a dozen. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard. And then, you know, some new ones start up and it looks great. And you think, can I squeeze this in? Well, it, 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 you have to have some discipline with it. You know, we're embarking that challenge now. We get listeners who say, look, can you come for the league? And we, we turn down quite a few requests now purely because we don't want to be those guys. We're in so many leagues um, already. And uh, we've still got more listener leagues that we're going to be launching. And so Stocks and I have taken a co-owner approach in quite a number of leagues just to share that workload. Um, so yes. if one of us is really stacked, then you know we, we're pretty similar in our rankings and views. We might have a few minor differences, but for the most part, we're pretty equal. And I trust him and he trusts me. And it means that you know we can have the enjoyment of playing in more leagues and sharing that workload, uh, especially when it comes to waivers <laughs> and oh. setting lineups. <laughs> yeah, you know, not for nothing. That that seems to be a growing trend and something I've kind of adapted and adopted. But that you know, you're talking about the profiles uh, for the rookies that we were doing with my co-host John Lobb, and you know, like the the top rankings we put out is a is a consensus of of our of both of our top 50 rankings and it kind of gives you some balance because you know where I might be super high on somebody and he's super low or vice versa you know you get that balance where maybe um maybe I'm wrong on this guy you know bring me back to earth so I I think having a co-owner is definitely a a good route so what do you think is likely to change for 2019 fantasy wise Andy so far, it looks like running backs are king again. I mean, the last couple of years we saw, and I just tweeted this out the other day, is zero running back over because, uh, you know, the last couple of years trend was to wait on running backs, wait on running backs. Obviously not, you know, the top one, two, or three, but uh, the, the bell cow position or title seemed to be disappearing. And now all of a sudden it seems like it's back. I mean, you look at recent ADP and 10 of the – first round picks or running backs. So it seems as though people are making a concerted effort to go running back heavy early again. And that to me was, uh, that's probably the biggest change so far I've seen towards 2019. The obviously the passing attacks and the the verticalness of the game uh, should maintain, but I, I think people are feeling a little bit scared by how much the ball is getting spread out amongst receivers. And, you know, those, those, bell cow receivers are becoming more of an oddity than the running backs. Yeah. We had a question in our last podcast from a listener about zero RB strategy in Superflex as well. And he said, try and talk me off the ledge because I think he was thinking about doing it, but we decided between us that it was a terrible strategy. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, there was a, a question that sort of came in based on that. And the, the question actually, well, it's actually on two specific names and we, we had a stab at it, but I'm keen to hear your answer on this one. It came from uh, at Two Sweet Pod, and it was, who would you rather take, Zeke or Barkley? Uh, for me, I would rather have Barkley. And it's more so just because he's just so dynamic. Not to say there's anything wrong with Ezekiel Elliott, and that offense figures to be you know, continuing to improve, and the line may or may not be better than what the Giants are starting to put together. Uh, but just Barkley is just such a unique talent that I think I would give him the slight edge uh, not just for the receiving because Ezekiel Elliott has shown he can be a great receiver as well I mean it's really a 1-1-A scenario uh, but if, for me the personal preference would be Barkley if I had to choose between the two yeah I, I agree I'm with you what would you say is your favorite format of fantasy football I honestly would have to go with best ball now because I just feel like I can make the case for so many players and then trying to figure out between you know, which guy to draft and then which guy to actually start week in and week out. It, it, it feels just that's the the hair pulling aspect of fantasy football for me. So best ball just fits perfectly where, hey, I like these three receivers. Give me the best one that week and you're going to do it automatically for me. I've kind of flirted with the idea over the last, you know, especially after last season of starting a mulligan league you know, Jake Seeley, the all-in kid, kind of I, – I forgot exactly what he said to kind of poke holes in it, but he said something that kind of made me th- say – I had a thought of that, but the idea would be you get maybe five mulligans a year where it's, tr- you know, traditional head-to-head fantasy football, but maybe I didn't start the right guy that week. I have a mulligan where I can, you know, after the fact, 
switch that guy to the starting lineup and then I, you know, I, I lose one of my mulligans. So you'd have to have some strategy. Like, do I want to use it this week? If I do that, can the other owner, you know, use one of his to, to reclaim the victory this week? You know, do I have any left down the, you know, towards the tail end of the season? Did I use them all in the beginning? Am I saving them? Should I have used it? Should I have not? Uh, I think it would add another element of strategy and kind of give you that in between of best ball and traditional. That's fascinating. See, that is, we have a fantasy Premier League over here. And the most traditional format is you play with, a, uh, it's a 15-man roster. You have to set your lineup an hour before. Um, it's actually an hour and a half before. So you actually don't know the teams when they're set. And you have basically 11 people in your team, four people on your bench, one for each position. And if you select somebody who doesn't play, then your bench spot automatically gets uh, uploaded into the spot. To say, for example, you've got the player you selected didn't play a minute and then your guy on your bench uh, scores two goals, that would be the person who gets elevated up. So it's kind of a cross in between. But what I also find is it just leaves people who aren't active. It gives them a great excuse to just stick around. And you're, when you get beaten in a head-to-head by somebody who isn't active, I think that's probably the worst feeling known to man. Right. Um, and that's what really ruins your weekend. So I, I see positives and I see negatives with it. So Yeah, for sure. I, I'm in a league like that too, where you, you can list your backups each week. So if a guy is a game time decision and doesn't play, but you had him in your starting lineup, you can have your backup listed who would go into that spot should he not play. But that should he not play. What if he does play and he's out after the first series. Now you get zero for that week. Whereas, you know, this idea with the mulligan is, hey, if that happens, I can now have the option to take my bench guy who maybe had 10 points as opposed to the zero. Maybe that got me a win this week. But, you know, there, there, there would be definitely some strategy involved. And I haven't worked out the finer details of it, but it's something that uh, I think I'm going to pursue a little bit further, especially now re- reiterating this conversation with you guys. So we mentioned your profile videos and podcasts earlier. Do you just want to tell Rush Nation exactly what they are so they understand? So approximately six years ago, I was hearing, you know, people talk about the senior bowl and saying, oh, it's like a bucket list thing. And, you know, you got to go at least once. And I applied to get credentials and I was granted them and I went down and it just was something I just fell in love with. And I've been to the last five. I've met so many wonderful people from, you know, NFL executives and players and past players and, you know, beat writers, uh, you know, fantasy writers, everything in between, agents, scout, oh, you name it. Uh, the in, the intimacy of the week is unparalleled. I, I mean, you just – everybody there is there for a reason. So you're kind of like in this exclusive club. And it's not hard to get into, but it's just, you know, you got to make the effort and you got to go. So I've been to the last five now, and I've always been very heavy into prospects. I want to be the guy – you know, who, who's next? So that, that goes with baseball, that goes with football. Uh, I like the college game. You know, being in New York, I never really had a college team. Rutgers is the closest thing we have to a, a you know, big-time D1 program. So, you know, I've kind of adopted, a, a you know, an, just a, a non-biased uh, fan, dumb, if you will, of college football. Um, but I've been going down to Senior Bowl the last five years, and we, we got into video work about three years ago. So – I started doing these profiles and I wanted to just kind of give quick little short bursts, you know, roughly five minutes time, an introduction to the player, who they are, where they're from, what their, you know, stats have been. And, and then the analysis of, of what I've seen from their film, from their stats, from, you know, just everything we can put together. And the last two years I've done that with my co-host, John Love, the gridiron scholar, who is very, 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 you know, into the college game and astute with that. He plays college fantasy football at a very high level. So uh, we've been doing that the last two years. This past year, uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, DLF, uh, was kind enough to host us. And, you know, the feedback has always been good with them. And it's just something I hope continues to grow and is a go-to for anybody that's interested in the NFL draft, whether it be from a fantasy perspective or just as an NFL fan itself. And you want to know, you know, who are these guys that my team might draft or after the draft, you know, I want to know more about the guy that my team did draft. So uh, we cover 50 players. Um, we covered actually over 50 players. We did 45 individual profiles and then we did, uh, you know, the 
most of the rest of the guys at each position. So we did a total of 50 videos. And again, they're all about the five to six, six minute uh, range in, in length and uh, all offensive players. So quarterback, tight end, running back and wide receiver. Uh, we have not gotten into defense or off or, you know, line play yet, but uh, we've had a lot of questions for it. It's just so many hours in the day that I can contribute to this. So uh, we might just keep it offense for, for the time being. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. It's it's so good. I I really enjoyed them. I I got them in audio format first. So subscribe to your podcast channel and started listening to them because they're really. What I liked about them is they're really bite sized. So uh, in the run up to the draft, you'd drop in like one, sometimes two a day. They were like seven, eight minutes long, and then started watching the the video version. So it's just great because it you give all the information. It's not an overload, and. That made me with the prospects. I was really excited about get more information, then go and do a deeper dive, and then do some comparisons. and And I think that's what I really liked because you didn't just do here at the top twenty, thirty prospects. You, you went deep in some positions, didn't you? Yeah, we definitely we try to identify, uh, you know, who are going to be you know the higher players or the, or, or the ones you know that definitely get drafted because you know every year you see like for wide receiver position for instance you know an average of 32 get drafted each year but leading up to the draft you got over 50 wide receivers that you know somebody loves one of them so you got over 50 guys that are getting talked about but they're not all going to get drafted so you know we try to identify the guys that we think have the best shot of getting drafted obviously we missed some like Nicole Hardman you know kind of snuck up on us so we didn't do an individual profile on him you know he he's an example uh you know, but we've been trying to fine tune this over the last couple of years, you know, notice like quarterbacks, nobody really cares about the quarterbacks, despite how much they get talked about and how important they are to the game of football itself. Nobody cares about those. So we try to limit how many quarterbacks we cover and really focus more on the running backs and wide receivers, which seem to draw the most interest and attention. But yeah, this is an ongoing process. This year, I, I added a lot more game clips and film clips to try to uh, emphasize the the points we're making and we really try to do these like I said unbiased and and just from what we see uh and from not just highlight reels but from all of the reps that we're watching in these games so you know you you might see a player you know like Ronald Jones for instance last year I was really not a big fan of his uh, a lot of people saw the home run ability that he had but I just saw way too many times he just run into his line like he had no vision he's just guessing and if he hit the hole yeah he's he could be an all pro uh but that was too few and far between so I didn't like him overall as a prospect and you know that's kind of what we try to do is just give an unbiased opinion this is what our eyes tell us this is what we see um and and you know we're giving you our honest take on it yeah definitely and it's really great and I would recommend people to if you if your team you're you're getting into football you want to know more about skill positions and uh, and watch tape if you have say you support the Titans or the Eagles, go look at the rookies that your team have picked up that Andy's put together and you'll share the uh, links at the end and we'll retweet some of them out because it's a really easy way to get more knowledge on players and start to understand because you break down the film really well and that's what I really like because they're small clips but you don't have to be a person who's watched a lot of film to really get the points that you're making. And I think that's why I really like it and urge anybody who hasn't already to, to go and look at them, especially on the rookies on their teams that they support this year, because you'll get a whole new insight and an unbiased opinion, as you say, uh, onto them as, as they're going to come and you're going to watch them sort of live in game scenarios for the first time. I appreciate that. Can I use that as a testimonial? Yeah, definitely. I'll clip it out and you can have it. No, definitely. And I, I mean it. That's why I was so keen to have you on because I really uh, appreciate your opinion and the, and the work you do. Because I think, again, it's you don't need to be an expert to understand what you're saying. And I think that's why I like it for anybody who is really just wanting. And the appetite here in the UK is really grown, not just for football, but to be better at it to understand film, to understand the game, the mechanics. People have just got this strong thirst. You know, with with people here in the sports in the UK, they're not just fans who just turn up and they're fair weather fans and just go, right, I've watched this game, that's it. You'll get people who understand tactics, who understand positional play, who understand, I mean, with football uh, or soccer, people here, everyone thinks they're the manager, everyone thinks they're the coach. And they'll sit there and give their opinions on this player needs to be in because they've got more ability or they can make this run or this cut, et cetera. And uh, 
you know that's that's why it's so different and it's not it's not only if you want to learn about the game and stuff if your rookie draft coming up or a draft at all and rookies are included in it you can go and watch the tape from these video clips and and Make have it. a better understanding of who you're going to be drafting in fantasy as well as real life so i think that's useful and and with that being said andy obviously draft seasons I should say, I should say it shouldn't be underway, but it is. Unfortunately for us, we've done way too many already. You've just had your rookie rankings released. Would you mind breaking down your top ten guys? Yeah, I, I mean, just to list them out, I have them in order. Well, this is again, this is a combination of my top fifty and and John's top fifty, and you know we balance out and, and get the the average. Um, so the top ten that we had were would be Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Nikhil Harry. Miles Sanders, Paris Campbell, Kyler Murray, DK Metcalf, TJ Hawkinson, Nicole Hardman, and then Debo Samuel. So those would be the ten. Um, as far as the breakdowns, I would I would encourage you to watch the the videos or listen to the audio to to get a more detailed uh, take on it. But for for me, the the running backs at the top is really indicative and primary to how quickly, how much more quickly running backs translate to the NFL as opposed to wide receivers. Uh, I think very unfairly to most wide receivers, 2014 kind of jaded us uh, into thinking that, you know, a, a super talented wide receiver is just going to enter the league and, and be a wide receiver one or high-end wide receiver two. And that's just not the normal average, you know, curve for a wide receiver's learning process. And I don't think this class – offers any guys that are ready to walk in from day one and be that guy. Uh, they certainly have, there are some guys that have that upside and that potential, but I wouldn't bank on that for them to come in year one. I don't think it's that kind of pedigree for these guys. Uh, so the running backs, you look at Josh Jacobs, he's walking into a starters, you know, go back to that bell cow phrase. He's walking into that immediately. Uh, David Montgomery was widely considered to be the top running back in this class up until the drafts, you know, season began and then Josh Jacobs kind of overtook that and Miles Sanders to an extent as well. Uh, but David Montgomery, I mean, I, I think he fits that offense in Chicago better, which is why they traded Jordan Howard. And I, I don't think it's to make Tariq Cohn the every down back. I think he's going to maintain the role he's had. And Montgomery has a little bit more versatility to his game than what Jordan Howard had. So uh, I, I think he can step in and, and be a significant contributor in year one as well. Uh, the running backs are really the guys you want at the early part of their career. Uh, so, you know, that's why those guys are, are, are there at the top. But, that you know, that's just a little bit on that. Did, did you guys want more? If you've got it. Uh, sure. Anybody specific that you want to hear about? Uh, well, what about Miko Harbin? Obviously, with Tyreek Hill news recently breaking that possibly nothing might happen now. Is yeah. And, and get faded? I, I, I don't want to say nothing's going to happen. I think nothing might happen legally, but I don't know that nothing will happen league-wide. I think there's just so much public interest surrounding the NFL and them trying to get things right and clean it up. You know, we saw with Ezekiel Elliott that he didn't face any criminal charges, but he still faced the league suspension. So uh, independent and regardless of what happens with the law and Tyreek Hill, I think he still is going to be facing some sort of suspension from the league itself. Uh, To what extent that is, I don't know yet. I would, you know, just guess six games just based on you know what we've seen in the past so uh going back to what i was saying about rookie wide receivers Mikael hardman has so much to clean up uh and, and work to do in his game but for what he can be and for how he can fit in that offense he doesn't have to be perfect right away i, I mean the opportunity that he's presented with uh could lead to success for him right out of the gate but obviously tyreek hill will have an impact on on how much opportunity Hardman has. And uh, he's definitely dropped back. I mean, these were our initial rankings, uh, and this did factor in some of that Tyree Kill news. But uh, from a dynasty standpoint and just, you know, the draft capital and what Kansas City saw from him, the other thing I, I would point to is that the same way Alabama's running backs are kind of being treated, like Damian Harris kind of, you know, was overlooked a little, if you will. Um, you know, they as – 
much love as there was for Josh Jacobs. There were cons- some concerns as well uh, because of none of them really won the load, if you will. Be- it was spread out. I think Georgia's wide receivers were kind of the same thing. When you-, you look at Terry Godwin, when you look at Riley Ridley, you look at Nicole Hardman, like they just had so much talent there that not- none of them really got to play up to their their potential, if you will. Uh, they-, they didn't get that volume. So uh, I don't know that Nicole Hardman – uh, really got viewed fairly entering the draft because I think he is better. And I think Kansas city saw that uh, and you talk about the track speed. I mean, the range of outcomes could be Tyreek Hill to John Ross. So uh, somewhere in between, I'm willing to take that upside in that Kansas city offense. Yeah, definitely. I've got, I've got a question for you, but so on your, your rankings, obviously they were done post draft. Who was a big surprise for you that went undrafted and is there any undrafted talent that you feel could be fancy relevant in 2019? Uh, that's a good question. There's, there, I mean, undrafted players. I, I think when I, I was I was pinning my hat and speaking to Kansas City to James Williams, a running back out of Washington State, who is now actually cut. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are going to see that as a sign that a he wasn't drafted, and that b he was cut so early in in you know the off season that, oh, maybe we should completely steer clear of this guy. But, you know, go back and watch what we said about James Williams and, and check out the the footage. I mean, this guy is, a, is basically – he was the James White of college. This kid had 202 receptions over his career there. Uh, not just – a receiving threat. He can run the ball, especially between the tackles when given the chance. He just didn't get that many opportunities to do it at Washington State based on their offensive philosophy. Uh, I think the fact that he was cut so soon by Kansas City is actually a benefit to him. And I think Kansas City did him a favor by doing that, by saying, listen, it's not that we don't like you, just we don't have any room at the end for you. We got Nicole Harbin that we brought in. We got Darwin Thompson that we drafted. We got Byron Pringle from last year that you know that that we really like a lot. Tyreek Hill news has changed, so we don't know where you're going to fit in. We don't want to just stash you on our practice squad. So go go see if you can make way somewhere else in this league because you have the talent to do that. So I, I think that was a blessing to James Williams to get cut. Uh, I, I'm interested to see where he latches on if he has to. You know, as of the recording of this, and I'm unaware. Uh, I apologize, but um, James Williams is probably the, the the biggest name of the undrafted guys that I see is like really could be the guy that y- you, we look back at. And it might not be this year; it might take a little while. But people say, "Wow, how did? Why were we so low on him?" Uh, because for me, the talent really is there. That's a good one. That's a that's one for your dynasty stashes if you're in mm-hmm. a, a late round and uh, and want to dig for. I guess what I'm I'm really interested in are you know you, you, your your rankings are pretty consistent if you look back at your your track record. So, who would you say are the sort of the top three to five players you're sort of much higher on than the consensus currently, and then maybe three to five that you're lower on than than the consensus, and maybe a little bit as to as to why, if you can. Uh, I think I've been pretty high on Kyler Murray. Uh, more so, I think I think the public has caught up with where I was on him just because of the, uh, how dynamic of an athlete he is. Uh, the things he can do, you just don't see from others. Uh, you know, the, we saw what Patrick Mahomes did last year, and everybody was just you know gushing about just how how unnatural his natural abilities are. And I think Kyler Murray is in that same kind of category you know people point to how bad the Arizona offense was but you look at David Johnson you look at Larry Fitzgerald you look at Christian Kirk you look at some of the skill players and you're like were they really that bad I mean I know the line was horrible but that's where Kyler Murray can win I mean he he is a scrambler he's not a, a, a runner and I there's a distinction with that for me because Lamar Murray is is taking the ball and I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson. I'm saying Lamar Murray. Lamar, that's what was throwing me off. Lamar Jackson is looking to run when his progressions break down, where Kyler Murray is looking to extend the plays. You know, he's only running if he sees an opportunity to to get a first down. You know what I mean? It's he's he's not looking to run because he feels like I can't you know, my first and my second and my third read aren't there. So let me talk and run. He's still trying to scramble and wait for that fourth or that fifth read to uncover. Uh, that, that to me is a, is a big difference. And 
Um, so he's somebody I've been much higher on. And, and now I think the people are starting to warm up to that. DK Metcalf, I was never really high on because I didn't think he was that number one receiver in the class. And, and then, the, you know, the draft capital kind of expressed that. But now, given the news of Doug Baldwin and, you know, given how, how good he's looked and how intelligent he's looked uh, so far this offseason, he's rising up for me. I, I like I like the situation for him because I, I felt like it reduced the amount of pressure on him and he can, you know, perform to that now. I'm trying to see who else here. I think Daryl Henderson, I think I'm a little lower on Daryl Henderson than most people. I think, I don't think he's going to have as immediate of a role as everybody wants to assume. Uh, I think we're kind of, I don't want to say we're overreacting to the Todd Gurley news. I just think maybe we're making a little bit too much of a big deal about it. Uh, I think maybe he's not going to be that number one running back we want because maybe they do reduce his workload or maybe he does miss some time. But I don't think Daryl Henderson is just going to automatically assume all of that and be a running back one. So I I, I don't think that's something. um, I don't think I'm as high on Daryl Henderson as, as others are. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Let me go through this list. Uh, Devin Singletary, I think I'm a little higher on than than most. And I think the situation he landed in in Buffalo, uh, I think pushes his draft value down a little, but I think he can surprise. Uh, J.J. Orsega-Whiteside, I don't think I'm as high on as others are. I think people see him going to that Philly offense and think he's going to be an automatic weapon. But you got Alshon Jeffrey, you got Zach Ertz, and you got Dallas Goddard who all can do what he can do. And then you add Miles Sanders to the mix. You, you know, you, you bring in Jordan Howard. Like, I don't see where he's going to get the level of volume that elevates him to where people kind of feel uh, he should be. Uh, Debo Samuel, I think, was very underrated. I think he can be a true wide receiver one in this league. And I think he will become the favorite target in San Francisco in short time. So, uh, I, I think he's somebody I would feel confident in in building around. Those are, those are some other guys. Kelvin Harmon was a guy I was really surprised to see slide so much in the draft, and I think he's in a great situation in Washington as they rebuild and grow together. I don't think you should have any expectations for Washington for the first year and a half to two years, uh, but this offense can come together quick uh, when you look at you know Haskins, uh, Terry McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon, uh, and then the return at some point, hopefully, of Bryce Love. Uh, I, I think that can be an offense that we look to in the future and be like, wow, this is a pretty explosive offense. Uh, so Kelvin Harmon, I think, is is a little underrated based on the draft capital, but I think he's. I, I just don't think he tested well at the combine. But you look at the production, and that that's where you kind of need to have a balance between uh, the college production, the combine results the draft capital, it can't just be one or the other. It has to be a, a balance of, of all of it. Uh, so Kelvin Harmon is somebody I, I'm, st- I'm still going to drive the Kelvin Harmon bus. Nice. I like that a lot. All right, final, final question from us then. Can you give us one very hot take for fantasy this season? Yeah, I'm going to stick with what I said on our podcast. I just recently started doing a uh, weekly Friday Night Live podcast with the Fantasy Taz Jim Day and – D.H.H. Fuego, I think I, I got it right, Frank Scandoro. Uh, we're doing that for the rebranded Action Network, which is now called Full-Time Fantasy. But uh, I said two weeks ago, and I don't know how hot this is, but I think Josh Jacobs will finish as a top five running back. Uh, when you look at what John Gruden has had in his past, the last time he had a rookie running back to this level was Cadillac Williams, and he fed him 290 times. So if Josh Jacobs can get something in the level of 275 carries in addition to any of the receptions. I don't care that Jalen Rashad's there. Josh Jacobs can still get 50 targets, uh, 50 targets. I didn't say 50 receptions, 50 targets. So if you can give me something in that range, I, I think he stands in line to be, you know, flirt with, if not exceed double digit touchdowns. I think all of that would line up to a top five running back and a rookie running back has finished in the top five in each of the last four straight seasons. So I think Josh Jacobs continues that trend. I love that take. That is so spicy a meatball. I like that. I, I, I could buy it. Andy, why don't you go ahead and plug yourself, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, 
where they find these videos, find you on Twitter, find your podcasts, etc. Okay, so I just mentioned the full-time fantasy podcast that we're doing on a weekly basis. That's live on Friday nights at 10 o'clock. So if anybody wants to uh, tune in and check us out and ask some questions or hear some things live, you can do that or check the replays. Uh, I recently started a Patreon and uh, my own podcast channel, which is on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everything like that. Uh, Patreon, the same thing. Just search my name, Andy Singleton. And the reason I did that was because I'm so spread out and all over with the contributions here, there, and everywhere or different sites I might be working for at the time. So I figured, let me just start my own thing and I'll just put links to everything I do in this one place. Uh, Same thing. You can follow me on Twitter at People's Pen, People's with the Z, P-E-O-P-L-E-Z, P-E-N. I link everything that I'm doing on that page. And I'm also supposed to be starting a weekly half-hour fantasy show on the Game Plus Network uh, at some point. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, pretty much I would say if you only picked one thing, follow me on Twitter and you'll find everything through that. Love it. Absolutely perfect. That's quite a lot of places to be, Andy. I'm not surprised you locked it down to one place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Andy, this has been an absolute blast, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on closer to the season if you've got time for us. I always got time for you guys, and I know we went a little over our heart out, and I hope we talked enough fantasy, but it was a pleasure for me to talk with you guys and hear the accents and get to express a little bit more beyond just fantasy. Uh, for what I've done and what I'm doing. No, man, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, it's been great. Really, really, really awesome stuff. And, and don't worry about going over. We will uh, catch you up soon. And yeah, definitely. So, Murph, I'll see you tomorrow. Rush Nation, happy hump day. Andy, thanks so much for coming on. But until next time, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ACAST anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast, og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.